Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. We're in a, a series called Impossible, aren't we? Wayne was chatting about the tension of impossible. We come into a season where we get a promise from God and that's really, really exciting. And then we find ourselves in this life mess and there's this tension between the possible, the impossible coming into fruition, but our life could be somewhat looking like a mess. Remember Mary, the story of Mary that um, Wayne spoke of, how she got this promise of an amazing baby boy who's going to be the Messiah, but life looked quite a mess. So there's quite a lot of tension in that. But God can use these problems, can't he? These contentious problems and create unknown solutions for us. Do you remember even Steve said, with God we can have a whole new perspective on our problems. We can look at things differently and see the God potential in them. God is not limited to known solutions. Wow. God uses our impossible to create the possible. He's the God of the impossible, and with him everything is possible. Those are just some of those takeaway statements that have been coming through in our series. Today I'm going to talk about the impossible, but start with possible. Just ask. Many of you in the room, I'd be hard-pressed to find someone that doesn't know about Google, right? We all know Google. Yes, we all know Google. Apparently, it's referred to as the most powerful company in the world, according to Wikipedia. Between Google and YouTube, it is the most visited place. It's the largest search engine. Mapping, navigation, email, your storage of your photos. It's just such a big web browser, isn't it? Anyone heard of Alexa? Oh, yes, I'm sure you do. You've got some in your house. Oh, it's this wonderful voice assistant, isn't it? That can do multiple tasks for us, and we just have to say the word now, boom, our lights come on. Have you noticed, though, how confident we are when we have a question without an answer, to just rush in and ask Google and Alexa. But you know, I know there's people behind them, but they're not people. I can't see them, I can't touch them. But I don't even know if they're reputable. But I somehow have the confidence to ask. I enjoy this quick answers to my questions, don't I? The quickest route to work with no traffic at all. Directions to my holiday home or my new home. Where to invest my money. Where's the best insurance deals. I get relationship advice. Oh, I get great doctor advice. Diagnosis, symptoms, no waiting list. And it's free. <laughs> it's even my church. My worship, my spiritual advisor. They are extremely good tools for any time any place, anywhere. But I think we should have more confidence 
to ask for the possible from the unseen, invisible God, the omnipotent, all-powerful God, the omnipresent God who is everywhere, the omniscient, all-knowing God. No man has seen God, but he's everywhere. God doesn't have to learn anything. He hasn't forgotten anything. <laughs> he knows everything that's happened and that will happen. God even knows what mankind is yet to discover. The knowledge is absolute and unacquired. The omniscience of God means that it's perfect knowledge, perfect understanding, perfect wisdom, and he even knows how to apply this knowledge. This should give us as the believer such confidence, shouldn't it? Such security in the limitless knowledge of the most powerful presence of a God who is limitless. He's a God of no limits. This alone should then give us the confidence to ask for the possible. There was a man in the Bible, he had the confidence to ask, and you'll find him in Luke 7. He is a centurion, Luke 7, 1 to 10. I'll read you the story of how it went. And Jesus concluded his sayings, he'd wrapped up listening to the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was very dear to him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. When Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. And to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he absolutely marveled at him. And he turned around and he said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. A centurion in those days, this is what he looked like. He would have been over a regiment, as his name suggests, of about a hundred men. He would have been a man that would probably have worked 15 to 25 years in the army. He would have come hand-to-hand -hand combat. He would have known what it would have been like to fight in the time of battle. They were the backbone of the army. They were disciplined and full of efficiency. And they knew what it was like to work under authority. They were over a hundred men, but there was a legion, and they were managed by the emperor, who would have been Caesar Augustus at the time. 
And for somebody in the lower ranks to disobey orders would have actually been to disobey the emperor himself. He knew about honor of authority. Centurions, they, they carried these, these daggers, as you can see, and had a wonderful crest on top of their helmet. They actually had quite an important social status as well. They held quite good positions in society. They were respected. But this centurion, look at verse 3. He had heard about Jesus. And he sent elders the Jew, of the Jews to go and see Jesus and plead for him to come and heal his servant. What had he heard, I wonder? It doesn't actually say what he'd heard. Had he heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead, the 5,000 being fed on a couple of loaves of bread? Had he heard about the coin in the fish's mouth? What had he heard? I'm not sure what he'd heard, but there was enough that he'd heard that created faith and belief in him in a heart that had been trained to hear and do. Had he perhaps just heard where Jesus had been ministering, if you look at the chapter just before, Jesus had been ministering about building your house on the rock. Had he heard, had he heard that sermon perhaps where Jesus was saying, Stop calling me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say. Had he heard, come to me, hear my sayings, and do them. Is that what he heard? What have you heard? If I go to Google and Alexa, and I type in my, my computer or my phone, I get an answer. Even, even if I don't actually get the spelling quite right, it'll throw up something, and I'll get there in the end. Had he heard, have you, have you heard, like, oh, if I just say, hello, Google, or Alexa, what have you heard that you will get out of those platforms? Have you heard? Have you come? Have you, have you done it? Do you do it? You do it in the natural world. But what have we heard about Jesus? Have we come? Have we heard? What do we do? Do you have confidence to ask for the possible from the omnipotent, all-powerful God? Do you have confidence to ask for, for something from the omnipresent God who is everywhere? Do you have the confidence to ask the omniscient God, the all-knowing God? John tells us, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we've asked of him. The centurion, he had the confidence to ask for the possible. He knew Jesus was listening. Because he'd heard about Jesus. He went and asked him, have you heard about Jesus? He was a different kind of man, the centurion. It says he was worried about his servant, wasn't he? he was, th these guys wouldn't generally have much compassion for their servants. His servant was grievously ill and he sent for 
for the Jewish elders to go and get Jesus. We don't know quite what was wrong with this man. And he also seemed a generous man, didn't he? He said he loved the nation and he built them a synagogue. The centurion, he started with possible. He called for Jesus using the Jewish elders, but he started with possible, requesting Jesus to come to his house. He had the confidence to ask for possible. And what does, what, what happens? What's Jesus' response to this? You'll have a look in Luke 7, 3, 4, and 6. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent the elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. But when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly. And what happened? Jesus went with them. Jesus responds. Jesus changed his agenda when somebody called. Jesus responds when we ask for the possible. Jesus responds. He starts going to the centurion's house. He stops and redirects his, his journey to go and see the servant. Just like what happened with Peter. Peter called out from the boat when he walked on the water. Hey, Jesus, can I come? Jesus stops. He responds. Blind Bartimaeus shouts out, Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. Jesus responds. Jairus comes rushing. Lord, won't you come to my daughter's house? She's, she's at death's door. Jesus stops. Jesus goes. Jesus responds. Jesus responds to our call if we'll just ask for the possible. Wayne mentioned a scripture last week which sums it up for us in Jeremiah 33, 2 and 3. Thus says the Lord who made heaven and the Lord who formed it and established it. Oh, he's amazing. He can make anything. Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer and I'll show you great and mighty things, fenced in things, hidden things that you don't even know. You don't even distinguish. You can't even recognize or have knowledge of or understand. But if you call to me, I will answer. Do you have the confidence to ask for the possible? Let's go back to our story with the centurion in Luke 7, 4 to 7. So they begged him, didn't they? Come. He begged him earnestly, saying, For the one whom you should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built a synagogue. Then Jesus went with him, and he was already not far from the house, and the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Oh, don't trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you would enter my roof. Therefore, I do not even think myself worthy to come to you. Centurion was doing this asking like in a long distance kind of way, wasn't he? And I think it's actually important to have a look at this conversation because the Jews thought he's worthy because of what he'd done and who he was. And if we think like the Jews, that we have to be worthy of, oh, I'm a good person and I've done this and I'm entitled to have an answer to my prayer, then we are going to come up very short because there's none of us here in this room is deserving of an answer to our prayers. It's because of Jesus. 
And do you notice the response of the centurion? He says, I'm not good enough or either to, for you to come in my house. What the word is not the same. It means I'm not sufficient in the Greek. He's not sufficient. See, the people in the world, this, the way they operate is you deserve that. You deserve the reward. You worked hard for that reward. That's not how it works with Jesus. You don't have to be sufficient enough to request. You don't have to be worthy to ask for the possible. Jesus makes you worthy. When you go on Google or Alexa, I, I think anyone can ask, can't they? Is there restrictions? So the same applies here. The centurion and our being worthy is not the basis of our confidence to go and ask. The blood of Jesus made you confident to ask. So have you heard about Jesus? Have you even asked for the possible? When you look at the story, you can just see with the centurion, it's so incredible that Jesus put the story together with the centurion because there's an authority there that you read about and you can see it coming through in the story. And you see in Luke 7, 7 to 9, it says, he didn't think himself worthy to come, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I'm also a man who's placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to the one, go, and he goes, and to the other, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned around and he said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The way the centurion approaches Jesus, Jesus marvels. Now, I've gone through this book of my Bible, and I marvel. I, <laughs> I marvel at Jesus, and Jesus is marveling at this man of his faith. It shocks Jesus, the amount of faith he's had, because he's got this faith and believing and action, and it's a wow moment for Jesus. And there's only one other time in the Bible where it talks about Jesus marveling. And you know what he marveled at? Their unbelief. Because they didn't believe. He, this centurion's approach is on a whole other level. It's astonishing. Even Mary Martha, when they called on Jesus to come and heal Lazarus, they hadn't comprehended that Jesus could do long-distance healing. He, he, he believed on another level. And I think it's to do with the fact that he operated in authority. He was trained in the ways of power and authority. He himself would have operated under authority, the legion and the emperor. So he understood what it meant to take instructions from somebody higher up. And then he led all these other hundred men with this delegated authority. So he understands authority. He would have understand, uh, understood words of instruction. He would have only drawn his sword when he had words of instruction. I think the way the centurion behaves, it shows that he came to Jesus and recognized him and, and went under Jesus' authority when he asked. And not only that, he recognized Jesus had authority over sickness. 
it's interesting to note that the way he approaches it, this posture driven by faith is the thing that brings healing to his servant. Coming under Jesus' authority, recognizing the authority. What, is, what does this mean for us? He had confidence to ask for the possible, but he also knew that God wasn't going to be limited to a known solution. This had never been done before. This is completely new. Speak the word, Jesus, and it will happen. Never done before. <laughs> An unknown solution to his problem. And Jesus does. He sends out the word, and the servant is healed without even touching him or going near the house. The belief in the power of the spoken words of Jesus started to operate and bring healing to the man. The words were working. The words were power working, coming out of Jesus' mouth, making healing. So what about us? What, what about our authority then? We must acknowledge, first of all, that God, isn't he? He is the authority, all authority, and we come under his authority. And even Jesus on the earth operated under God's authority. He said, the Son can do nothing without the Father. The Father, he, he only does what the Father says. So he submitted himself to the high authority of his Father. We too have been given this delegated authority. You read about it in the Great Commission. He says, I've given you my name. My name is my authority. We speak when we pray. We say, in Jesus' name. That's his authority that we are operating in. He said that we have power and authority over demons, disease, to preach the gospel. Jesus has given us this authority. God is our head. Christ has left this earth. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. We have been given delegated authority. We are in partnership with him. We operate on this earth as his ambassadors. Like Jeff was saying, we are his hands, feet, and face. When we come across someone who's ill, we have the power and authority in Jesus' name to pray for them and to believe for them to be healed, for people to be delivered from demons and sickness and things that bind them. This is the authority that Jesus has given us. And the truth is there's nothing more powerful than God's word. So God sent Jesus, who is the word, to die for us, to give us power and authority. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning, before all time, was the word Christ. And the word was with God. And what? The word was God himself. When we speak the word of God, we are speaking God. We have got authority coming out of our mouth. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them from their destructions. We have got the word. The word and Jesus, it, it will answer every question that you have. That you will ever ask. It has the power to meet every need. The word of God, Jesus, is the answer to every human need on this earth. 
we're so confident to rush in when we don't know the answer. And we Google. Have you heard? On Google, you can get it. We ask for the possible, and up it comes. And we've used our authority because we've typed it in or we've spoken. But have we? Have we heard about Jesus? Have we asked for the possible from Jesus? Have you used your authority? We have to be like Jesus in the story. He spoke. Jesus spoke the word. You know, there's a story of a guy's quite a while back when computers were quite new and he was really struggling to work a computer. He went to his daughter and he said, would you please teach me how to get this photograph? It was a a school um, website and they put photos up of the old school, you know, when you used to take photographs of all your class. He said, I want to see my old school photo. So he sat down at the desk and and she booted up the computer and brought him to the website of the school. And the phone rang. And so she said, I have to go and answer that phone. And as she was leaving the room, the father said, how do I get to the photo? And she just yelled back at him and said, the mouse. Anyway, she came back a little later when she'd finished on her phone call. And she walked into the office and broke down laughter as her father was waving the mouse. She says, I am moving the mouse and nothing's happening. It's important for us to realize that we can wave this word. We can have this pocket in our pocket, this word. We can carry it around, you know, on our phone. But if we don't know how to use it, how do we use it? Do we just be silly and wave it like the man with the mouse? It's no good. It's not going to actually achieve anything. We have to speak the word. And... In the parable of the sower in Luke 8, it says, The sower went out to sow his seed. And when Jesus explains just that one line, he says the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. This word is like a seed, and it has to be planted. And it's planted by your mouth, and then it brings up a harvest Interesting, when you look up what the sower is, it's in the Greek, it says, to draw your sword. We plant the seed by drawing our sword, where? From our mouth. If we don't draw our sword, it stays in there, and it's ineffective, like the story with the man with the mouse and the computer. Totally ineffective. It has to be drawn out of our mouths, It has to be effective. And you know this. You can say, hello, Google. You can say, Alexa, whatever, whatever you want. The light's on. How do you do it? It's spoken out of your mouth. It's a weapon that comes out of your mouth. In the story of the centurion, you can see how he recognized this power and authority of the power of the spoken word of Jesus. He said to him, just say the word, didn't he? Drawn like a weapon, it's effective, bringing the answer for the centurion's servant to be healed. Luke 7, 7, I am not even worthy to come meet you. Just say the word from where you are and you'll be healed. 
the word has to be spoken. Unfortunately, it goes all the way back to the story of the guy who built his house on the rock. We have a challenge with this because we don't like to hear and do. We just like to hear. We need to hear and do for the word to be effective. Jesus is our example, isn't he? When we talk about in Revelation, it says the word out of his mouth went to two-edged sword. The word came out of his mouth. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what it is sent out to do. It shall prosper for the thing I sent it. The word is our weapon. What are you doing with the word? Are you waving it in your pocket? Is, where's your sword? It has to be coming out of our mouths. Ephesians says we have to take up that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You can't just leave it. And it's voice activated. Yeah. <laughs> just like Jesus, we can use our authority. By speaking the word. That's what he died. He died to give you the authority. To use his word and his name. You can't expect. You can't expect words. That are carnal. Or that contradict the word of God. So I want to encourage you. You can't echo the world. And expect a result. We echo the word. right? We declare healing. We declare deliverance. Salvation. And blessing. These are the things that we declare. So have you heard about Jesus? Have you even asked for the possible? You have the authority. Speak the word of God. Do you know, when you look at the story, you can clearly see that God is not limited to known solutions, can't you? Amazing God. Imagine what he could do in your life if you would just start to ask for the possible. The centurion, he had such great faith. The centurion, whose faith made Jesus marvel. He wasn't a disciple. He didn't do any miracles. He didn't plant any churches. He had no degree or religious title. He didn't have a spiritual resume. He was totally unimpressive in that way. Yet this was a man with the greatest faith of Israel. A centurion who simply heard, knew his authority. He asked for the possible. And he believed in the spoken word of Jesus. He really believed in the spoken word of Jesus. And this faith made Jesus marvel. Does your faith make Jesus marvel? The submission of our words today will be tomorrow's harvest. We need to ask for the possible for the, from the God who is not limited by known solutions. And I ask you to stand as we close. And gonna, I'm going to finish preaching to you, and then we're going to worship. But I, I will not. Just to think about what I've been saying to you today, everything really boils down to the fact of 
hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. Some have stopped asking. I don't know why you've stopped asking. Perhaps you're afraid. Perhaps you think you'd be disappointed. Do you know that it doesn't matter if you ask amiss? It's like Google. You might get the spelling wrong, and the Father will help you and adjust it. Just ask. Some of you in the room, maybe you're online, and you've actually never even asked Jesus to be a part of your life. This is a time. Just ask and say, I want Jesus to be part of my life, and I'm going to start living for him. Ask. Oh,